Hello, and welcome to the Zeal for Your House podcast. My name is Caleb Griffith, and I'm so glad you've joined me today as we look into the Word of God to inform our minds, engage our hearts, renew our spirits, and save our souls. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of the Zeal for Your House podcast. As mentioned in previous episodes, in this season we are discussing some requested topics. And today we are going to be talking about forgiving ourselves. Forgiveness is not only something that we offer to others when they have wronged us, as Ephesians 4 and verse 32 commands, but it is also something that we need to give to ourselves when dealing with the guilt and the shame of sin and failure. How can we be free of such guilt and shame, even when we have utterly failed in following God's will, or when our actions have hurt others? We're going to be looking at the words of David in Psalm 32 as we think about forgiving ourselves. In Psalm 32, we're going to notice five lessons about how we can create a mindset of forgiving ourselves, of not holding ourselves down with the guilt of our past, of being free of the shame of who we are and what we have done. We know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3.23. And in verse 10 of that same chapter, it says, There is none righteous, no, not one. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. How can we forgive ourselves? Of those mistakes. Psalm 32, beginning in verses 1 and 2, David writes, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. The first thing we can do in forgiving ourselves is understanding how God has forgiven us. When we sin, there there are a number of parties, if you will, that we could sin against. We could sin against ourselves. 1 Corinthians talks about how sexual immorality and fornication is sin against one's own body. We can sin against others when we hurt them in anger or wrath or when we are bitter towards others or bringing harm to others. That's sins against others. But all sins, we understand, are committed against God, first and foremost. God is holy and just and righteous. And when we fail to follow his will, when we reject his commandments, when we decide to follow after our own desires, as James 1.14 says, we are falling into sin. 1 John 3 and verse 4 says that sin is the transgression of God's law. And so when we sin, we are offending God. We are going past and trespassing against his law. But our God is a God of forgiveness. Notice what David has said in these verses. Notice what God does for us. Our transgressions are forgiven. 
when we have moved past the law of God, deciding to operate on our own will and make our own choices instead of doing what God has told us to do, God is still willing to forgive, to put those things behind us, to reconcile us to himself through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17, and through the end of that chapter. And David says, our sins can be covered. We may look at ourselves in the mirror and only see our shortcomings, only see our failures, how bad we are at obeying God and being kind and good to others. But God in Christ covers our sins so that when we look at ourselves and when he looks at us our, his, as his people, he sees Jesus Christ. He sees the image of Christ because our sins have been covered. We have been justified and reconciled to him. David continues in Psalm 32 and verse 2 that our iniquities are not imputed. Iniquity is that idea of filthiness or wickedness, those actions which are vile. And our society is filled with those. And our lives are filled with those, are they not? We do things all the time that God does not approve of that are filthy in his sight, who is holy. But God is willing to not hold those things we do against us, to not impute them, to not count them against us, to not hold that record against us. Psalm 32, verse 2, ends by saying, And in whose spirit there is no deceit. You see, when God has forgiven our transgressions, and covered our sins, and imputed not our iniquities. We don't have to pretend to be righteous. We don't have to practice deceit, putting on this show to try to make everyone think, oh, I'm better than I actually am. We don't have to make a show or pretend to be good. Because when God has forgiven us, we are righteous. We are free of that guilt and that stain of sin. We are, as David says, blessed. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And so we need to understand, first of all, what God does for us. When he forgives us, we are truly free from sin. And that should help us to see how we can forgive ourselves. Because if our Creator is not holding that charge against us, then why should we continue to? But second, we learn from Psalm 32 that there is guilt in the absence of repentance. Read with me verses 3 through 5. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned to the drought of summer, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When we refuse to repent of sin, when we continue to live in such a way that we know is wrong, and we continue to do so, we decide we're not going to do, obey God. We're not going to fix our lives. We're going to keep living however we want. That's where we experience the guilt 
and ashamed of sinful behavior, of doing that which is inherently wrong. David describes in poetic terms here in this psalm how his bones were growing old, that idea of growing old, becoming weaker and more fragile. And it's because of the weight, he says, of the groaning, because of the guilt of sin. His vitality, his life was being turned like into a drought. It's almost like David is saying, I was growing old and drying up because of the sin that I was living with. But in verse 5, he acknowledged his sin. He didn't try to hide it any longer. He didn't keep silent about it anymore. He acknowledged it to God. He didn't hide his iniquity. He confessed his transgressions to the Lord. And when he turned to God, he was forgiven. We should never forgive ourselves of sins that we have not repented of. We need to understand that. If we are still living in that sin and still choosing to practice that sin and we don't desire to change and we aren't making the effort to change, we have no right to forgive ourselves. We must seek, first of all, repentance. Repentance is a change of mind, changing my mind about what I want to do and what I will do, about what I think is right. It's that change of mind caused by a change of heart. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says that godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. When our hearts are melted by the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ and the word of God, we are led to change our minds about the way we are going to live, to repent. And that leads to a change of life, a change of action. To do so, we have to be open and honest with our sin. If we are hiding our sins from ourselves or from others, we are not repenting because repentance brings that sin into the light to confront it openly and deal with it and put it behind us. 1 John chapter 1 describes in this context the, the assurance that we can have of our salvation as Christians, that we are walking in the way that God would have us to, that we are still his people. 1 John 1, beginning in verse number 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, why is that? Because as verse 5 says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So if we are walking in that darkness, of which there is nothing of it in God, then we cannot be in fellowship with him. But verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to be open and honest with our sins, and when we are, when we repent of those things and keep trying to walk in the light as in God who is light, and God is faithful. He is faithful to forgive us. And that is reason for us to forgive ourselves. We continue in Psalm 32. And read with me verses 6 and 7. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. 
Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. We learn from this passage that the God who forgives is the God who preserves. You see, when God forgives, he forgets all our failures, all all our rebellion against him, and he treats us again as his own, as his people. David begins by saying, This cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. When God forgives us, we can be godly. We can be like God in his image, once again, as we were originally created. When God forgives us, we are on his side once more. And he will be near to us. He will be able to be found when we are in trouble, when we have need. He will guard us. He will deliver us. When we think about forgiving ourselves, when God has forgiven us, as we have repented of our sin and trusted in Jesus Christ, obeying and believing his gospel, that we can be free from sin, then we should never be so ashamed of our sin that we neglect to turn to God for help in time of need. We should never think when we have been forgiven that our sins are still putting that barrier, that separation between us and God. When we have forgiven, when we have been forgiven, that is, we have God once more. We are his once again, and we can live like it. Brethren, we can live like it. Verses 8 and 9. David in the psalm switches perspectives from the one subject to God who has been forgiven, now to God, speaking as to his subject, as to his child. Verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. We see in those verses that the God who forgives is the God who leads. God wants to teach us. He wants to teach us how we should live, the way that we should go in life, in our daily choices. God wants to guide us, to show us the path. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God wants to guide us and lead us. He doesn't want us to be that people like David says, the horse or the mule, which must be forced into following with a bit and a bridle. God wants us to be people who understand his will and follow him willingly. You see, God doesn't require us to be perfect, but he expects us to be devoted to following him. And even when we fall short, when we trip and stumble, we still need to have that devotion to following him. And that's what counts. In the end, when we are devoted to following God's guidance, wherever God leads us, when we are dedicated to that path, even when we continue to fall short, the blood of Jesus Christ continues to cleanse us of all those sins. That is what it means to walk in the light. And that means that we must be listening to God. We must be reading his word, and we must be following his guidance, living the way he wants us to live. If we are not, then again, we have no right to forgive ourselves. But if we are devoted to following our Lord, 
And we are trusting in him, the God who leads us. We understand that God forgives us and we can forgive ourselves. Finally, in Psalm 32, verses 10 and 11. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. We need to trust God's forgiveness. In the end, that's really what it comes down to. When we are still holding ourselves back with guilt and with shame because of the mistakes we have made, we need to trust more in God's forgiveness. Because if God has forgiven us, then we understand there is no guilt on our account. If our righteous and perfect judge, the one who will judge all of us, is holding us as righteous, considering us to be his people. And who are we to live as if we weren't, to hold ourselves back with sin and with shame? In Christ, when we have been reconciled to God, we can trust in the mercy of God. And because of that, we can rejoice. We don't have to be shackled by guilt. We can be glad. We can rejoice. We can shout for joy, as David says in verse 11. No, we may still feel guilt. Just because we have been forgiven, and even if we've forgiven ourselves, we may still feel certain guilt. You know, I think about David after he had committed sin. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered her husband Uriah. We think about how far that man after God's own heart had fallen into iniquity and transgression and sin. And after Nathan the prophet came to him, after he had been hiding that sin, Nathan revealed to him, he said, you are the man, you are the one I'm talking about who has done this. In Nathan's illustration there in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. He was open now with it. He was honest with his sin. And Nathan responded, the Lord has forgiven me. And David knew that he had been forgiven. But it's hard to imagine that David did not feel guilty about what he had done for the rest of his life. You know, because of that sin, those sins that he had committed, David's household, his family, was torn apart. There was strife, there was contention in his house, his family, for the rest of his life. And that sin hurt the nation because of what was going on in David's household with his children, with Absalom and Adonijah and those others who were drawing the people after themselves, and there was division in the kingdom and war. David's sins hurt so many people And it's hard to imagine that every time he looked at Bathsheba or looked into his family or thought about what was going on, that he didn't feel that guilt again for what he had done. But even when we still feel guilt because of the consequences of our sin, yes, just because God removes the guilt doesn't mean that there will be no consequences for sin, even when we have been forgiven. 
But even when we feel that guilt, we must not be defined by it. We should be defined by the love and the mercy and the kindness of God in forgiving us and redeeming us. That should be who we are, not the old man of sin, not the chief of sinners. Think about Paul and what he said in 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. We see the heart of Paul in this passage, in these words that he wrote. He still felt guilty for what he had done. He still felt that shame of being formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man. He still felt that he was the chief of sinners whom Jesus Christ had to come into the world to save. He still felt those things. We see it in that verse. But he was not defined by it. Instead, he was defined by Jesus Christ. He said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was defined by Jesus Christ and by the ministry that Christ had put him into as an apostle and a preacher of the gospel, a teacher of the faith. He was defined by the abundant, the exceedingly abundant grace of God. He was defined by faith and love in Jesus Christ. He was defined by that grand story that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That was Paul's story. He was defined by the mercy of God, by the patience of Jesus Christ by that pattern for all of those who will believe in Jesus for everlasting life, who will put their faith in him and be devoted to him. That's what defined Paul. That's what defined his character and his choices and who he was, who he thought he was. And the same should be said of us. When we are in Christ Jesus, when we have believed the gospel and obeyed it, just as Paul did as we read in Acts chapter 9 and again in Acts chapter 22, when we have put our faith in Christ, yes, we may still feel guilt for what we have done and for those sins that we continue to commit because we are not perfect. But we should not be defined by it. And we should not experience still what David had described in Psalm 32 and verses 3 and 4 of being growing old and being fragile and weak and weary because of the sin on our shoulders. That burden has been lifted. It has been lifted by God. It has been lifted by Jesus. And we don't have to live with that anymore. Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
beginning in verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 11. Verse 11 is the gospel, the good news. And such were some of you. The Corinthian brethren, some of them had once lived in these exact things that Paul had named. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And yes, we have sinned, but we can find forgiveness. We can be washed. Washed by the blood of Christ and the waters of baptism, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, being baptized into his death, being baptized in his name, Matthew 28 and verse 19, another text of scripture. We can be sanctified, set apart, made holy unto God. We can be justified, counted as righteous because of our faith in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. We can be born again, born of water and the Spirit, John 3 and verse 5, to become a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And when we are a new person, we don't have to be held back by the mistakes and the failures of the old, that old man which has been put to death in the waters of baptism, as Romans chapter 6 describes. We should be defined now by the love, the mercy, and the kindness of God in forgiving us and redeeming us. Redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Thank you for listening to the Zeal for Your House podcast. I'm Caleb Griffith, and it has been a pleasure to share thoughts from the Word of God with you today. If you have questions or comments on the episode, or if you are interested in further discussion of today's topic, or if you simply want to learn more about God, Jesus, and the Bible, I gladly invite you to contact me. You can reach me by email at zealforyourhouse217 at gmail.com. Or you can find the Zeal for Your House page on Facebook or Instagram and message me there. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.